Good morning, Browncroft. My name is Trisha Smith. For those of you who don't know me, I am the director of the family ministry here at Browncroft. And today we are in week two of our series called Better Together. And really the focus here is on the faith of the next generation. Here at Browncroft, one of our core values is strong families. So we are taking this whole month to talk about family ministry and what we believe it looks like to give a kid or a student the best chance at making a personal decision for Jesus. And last week, Rob kicked us off by kind of unpacking what the role of the church is as we think about the faith of the next generation. He reminded us that that we as the church, collectively, every single one of us, has a part to play when it comes to passing down faith. We, you, through Jesus, are the light of the world. And we have an incredible opportunity to show younger people who Jesus is. And today I'll be talking about the role of the home or the family when it comes to discipling the next generation. We know that both the church and the home play a part in this and that neither one has to or should do it alone. Hence the title, Better Together. And just to clarify, I'll be directly addressing parents a lot in this message. Please know that if you are a caregiver other than a parent, if you're a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a foster parent or whatever, we understand that families come in all different shapes and sizes and that a lot of them look very different. And that's okay. This message is for you too. And if you're here this morning and you're not currently raising children, that's okay. We just talked about how this passing down faith is a concern for all of us, right? And I think many of the principles that we'll talk about this morning can be easily adaptable to all of us. So maybe you're thinking, well, I see Trisha Smith up there. She's on staff here at the church. She literally gets paid to provide and to design and to oversee ministry to kids and students here at Browncroft. Shouldn't that be where her focus is? Shouldn't she be more focused on the investment that the church can make in the lives of children and students where discipleship is concerned? And my answer to that would be yes. She is on staff here at the church. She does work in the family ministry department I love the work that I get to do here. I do have a passion for reaching kids and students with the gospel. The whole family ministry team, we love to see kids and students growing in their faith and taking their next steps to be the people that God has created them to be. But I also know this. I know that we as the church, on average, only get about... 25 to 40 hours a year with a kid. And if um, you have a student, we call students um, sixth graders through 12th graders. If you have a student, we might get double that if we're lucky. Okay? 25 to 40 hours per year 
There are 8,000, let's see, I did this math, 8,760 hours in a year. 40 to 80-ish hours is not that much. Of course, we know as parents, you get a lot more time with your children than that. So from my perspective as a church leader, it seems kind of irresponsible for me to not talk about the influence of the family when it comes to the discipleship of kids and students. And as a parent myself, I have so appreciated partnering with the local church when it comes to the discipleship of my children. But I also get that my influence as a mom has a much greater potential to impact the faith of my children. The church was never meant to be a place where parents outsource their children's spiritual growth. And again, that doesn't mean that the family ministry team and I don't work hard every single week to point kids and students to Jesus. We do, and we have this amazing group of over 100 volunteer leaders that show up for kids and students week after week. But parents, God gave these children to you. He chose you to be their primary disciplers. We are so grateful that you bring them to us and that you let us be another voice in their lives. But your voice and who you are and what you do is so much more significant than anything we can do. And wow, right? That feels like a pretty big responsibility. On top of everything else you have going on as a parent now, um, you're hearing that you are the primary disciplers of your children. And guess what? You're right. It is a huge responsibility. But hear this. Discipling your children is not about being a perfect parent. As a mother of three girls, I know that parenting is the most difficult job in the whole world. And I think back to almost 28 years ago when my first child was born. And I get the privilege now of watching her with her almost three-month-old first daughter. And I remember the enormous pressure that I felt to do all the things right to have the right parenting gadgets, to know the right methods of feeding her and sleep training her and socializing her. And as she got older, the pressures became even heavier. Which preschool should she go to? Do I read to her enough? Should I put her in extracurricular activities? I was worried about a lot of things. And it only got worse when my second daughter was born seven years later. Because at that point, I mistakenly believed that I knew what I was doing. Anyone who has more than one child knows what I'm talking about. We all know that the second-born child teaches their parents all about humility. Whatever parenting trick worked with the first one, the second-born just basically laughs at. It was like my baby Molly was just saying in her little head to me, oh, you poor woman. You think you've got this all figured out? Watch me. Worrying about everything did not make me a bad parent. But the drive that I had to get it all right 
was setting me up to be the expert parent that I could never be. So that every time something didn't go the way that it should, I could get easily discouraged or even feel ashamed. Parents, we can buy into the myth that we need to do all the things, that we need to make better lists, that we need to get more organized, that we need to work much harder, and that we should never make a mistake to be a successful parent. But here's what I think. I think God just wants us to trust him. I think he wants us to be real. And he wants us to let him use our imperfections to show our kids what his story looks like. A story of redemption and restoration. He wants to use us imperfect parents to show our kids what it looks like to have an authentic everyday faith. And when it comes to the discipleship of our children, we may feel even more pressure to get it right. We might think that first we need to become the right kind of parent or be the perfect Christian before God can use us. But that's not true. So today we'll be looking at a passage of scripture found in the book of Deuteronomy. It's from chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. These words are part of a message that Moses was delivering to the Israelites before he died. And in these verses, Moses decided that it was of high importance to address how the Israelites should transfer their faith to their children and to generations to come. He understood the importance of this message, and he didn't want the Israelites to miss it. He starts with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. This phrase is known as the Shema which means to hear or to listen in Hebrew. And it's a basic cornerstone in the Jewish faith. And it's really used to get your attention, like, listen up, people. I have something really important to say. And in this one simple phrase, Moses was establishing a framework, a frame of reference for everything he was going to talk about. The frame of reference is God. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. That God is God, everything is about him. God is always, always, every time where our focus should first be. And as parents, I know it's easy to lose focus. It's easy to start measuring our children's success against what culture says is most important. Are my kids getting the best grades? Are they on the best teams? Are they going to the best colleges? Will they get the best careers? All of these things are good things and they're important things, but they are not what's most important. 
When Moses was standing before the Israelites that day, he was telling the Israelites what they should be first focused on. Now, if you're a parent, you know that sometimes problems come up with your children, situations come up with your children that you have no idea how to solve. There are no quick fixes. There are no textbook answers. But there is God. And if you find yourself in the middle of a situation with your kid and and you're feeling inadequate, a place where I've found myself many times... Here's something that I've learned to do over the years. I've learned to pause, I've learned to take a deep breath, and then ask myself the question, where is God in this? Where is God in this? Then you can refocus to what's most important. When I've asked myself this question, it brings back focus for me, because my answer reminds me that God is in control and I am not. It reminds me that I can trust him no matter what. And it reminds me that he loves my kids in a greater, more perfect way than I ever could. And it reminds me that I cannot compete with God. Kind of silly, right? Like, of course we can't compete with God. But I have found myself over the years trying to be the hero for my kids, trying to be the fixer and the problem solver in my own strength. Where is God in that? I've lost focus. I remember this one time, um, our, our youngest daughter, Bailey, she was probably in like second or third grade. And her teacher gave me a call, and her teacher said, Bailey's having a hard time listening when she's supposed to listen. And she's having a hard time staying in her seat during class. Apparently, you know, Bailey would think of something exciting, uh, have a great idea in her mind, and she'd immediately have to go up and tell her friend in that moment. And so her teacher suggested that we start um, doing a star chart with Bailey. So at school, Bailey could earn anywhere from zero to four stars. And then she would bring her star chart home, and and we could look at it, and we could kind of gauge how Bailey's day went. It would spark some conversation for us. And at that time, we lived in a house with a long driveway. And so you could tell how Bailey's day was, like the moment she got off the bus. Okay, if she's skipping up the driveway and she's smiling and there's not a care in the world, then chances are she had a pretty good day. But if she's taking her time, she's kind of hanging low, we know maybe her day was not so hot. So a couple of weeks have gone by. We've been using this star chart. Bailey's doing okay. She's kind of hovering between like two and a half and three stars. Well, then this day came where she got off the bus and she was hanging lower and moving slower than ever before. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. So she came in the house, and she reluctantly gave me her star chart. And I found that Bailey had earned a half of a star that day. 
And I thought to myself, how does that happen? Like, did you not even sit in your seat at all today? And I was feeling pretty defeated. I was like, clearly the things I'm doing aren't working. And, and honestly, Bailey was feeling pretty defeated too. And so the next morning we were doing our getting, getting ready for school routine. And it had occurred to me, I hadn't asked the question, God, where are you in this? Where is God in this? And I'm not sure why, and I, and I think as, as parents, sometimes we think that we're supposed to have the answers. And you think about God, and he's this great big God, and he's the God of the universe, and he's solving so many problems, and it's like, uh, does he have time for the star chart? So Bailey and I took some time to pray, just like a couple of lines. You know, I asked God to be with her and to, and to give her self-control today in the classroom. And then I waited for her to get off the bus. And that day when she got off the bus, her head perked up and she was beaming and she was skipping down the driveway and she threw open the door and she handed her star chart to me and I looked at it and Bailey had earned four and a half stars that day. And of course I was thrilled and Bailey was thrilled. But the best part of that was that Bailey got to see that God is the God of the star charts that we can depend on him in every situation and that we should. So parents, keep your focus on God. The next part of the scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. If you've been around church long enough, you know that this is one of the most known passages of scripture but this, this time, when Moses was addressing the Israelites, this was the first time that it was recorded, which is a big deal. Because prior to this passage, there are few, if any, references in the Old Testament that say anything about a person's love for God. There are passages about God's love for people, and there are passages about people's love for each other but not a person's love for God. Most of the scriptures up to this point have about, been about the need to worship God, to fear God, and to respect God. So in this one phrase, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, Moses was completely flipping the script. He was explaining the missing link that so often occurs when we allow our faith to become a system of rules. What's the missing link? It's love. And over the next several chapters, Moses will repeat this command more than a dozen times. And we know that one day Jesus uses this command to build an entire kingdom. Moses is fighting for something so much more important than a lifestyle or a practice. He is fighting for the heart. He knows that faith is not just up here, and it's not just a list of rules. Faith is a condition of the heart. 
Moses is warning the Israelites about the dangers of a generation losing their faith. And he knew that the best way to transfer a legacy of faith to the next generation was through the influence of relationship and love. Parents, I don't know about you, but I found out over the years that kids are not just going to follow a list of rules because you want them to. They need to know the motivation for the rules. They need to know how much we love them. They need to know that they can trust us. Too often, I have fallen into a parenting style that suggests that the primary, the win, is to get my kids to follow the rules. It's not the win. We can get hyper-focused on our child's need to earn and build trust with us, but are we being intentional about building trust with them? It's our job, parents, to show them what the unconditional love of Jesus looks like. Just a couple of weeks ago, I sent my 16-year-old daughter a contract. It was a list of rules and expectations that I had for her over the remainder of the school year. But the last bullet on her contract said this, and this is from her point of view because she had to sign it. The last bullet said, I understand that my mom loves me and wants the best for me and is not just a fun crusher. <laughs> In the same way, we know that Jesus is not a fun crusher, don't we? He gives us rules out of his love for us. He wants us to experience and to live life to the full. And in the same way, our kids need to know that that that's our motivation for them. We are called to fight for the hearts of our children. And then the last part of that Deuteronomy passage says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the point where Moses really drives home the message that parents are ultimately responsible to disciple their children. He says to impress these commandments upon your children. Another version says to teach diligently these commandments to your children. Talk about them at home, on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Those are direct messages to parents. He was saying that it's important to create a discipleship rhythm in your home. We know that children thrive with routine, right? And although families can all look different, they can have different patterns for what works best for their specific schedules. There are four times listed here that are fairly universal for families. Moses says eating together, traveling together, going to bed, and waking up. 
Now, hopefully, we want this to sound doable, that we can infuse discipleship moments into these everyday rhythms. But here's the truth. The truth is that our culture is busier than we've ever been before. We cannot use these universal times as discipleship moments if they aren't rhythms built into our daily lives. If you really want to make discipleship in your home a priority, one of the best things you can do is create a natural rhythm. That helps you determine in advance how you will spend your time. If you don't have intentional time built in, then I guarantee you that discipleship will not happen. You just can't fit it in when you have extra time. And hear this, discipleship moments is not about reinventing the wheel or creating elaborate Bible studies with your family. If you want to do that, that's fine. But it's really about taking those everyday moments to talk to your kids about Jesus, to tell your kids stories about where you've seen God at work in your life, to ask your kids about their own faith, to spend time in God's word together. Your kids' parents need your voice in their lives consistently, not randomly. They're not going to make their faith a priority if you're not making it a priority. So recently, we've had a couple of opportunities to partner with parents and some Browncroft parents, and these parents were very intentional with their time. Last Tuesday night, we had a senior graduation celebration where we got to celebrate students who are graduating seniors. We got to invite their families and their small group leaders who have poured into them. They all came together to intentionally celebrate how far they've come and to pray over them and ask God to guide them into this new phase of life that they're entering. And then on the other end of the age spectrum, just a few weeks ago, we had a baby dedication celebration where we dedicated 10 babies to the Lord. And just so you know, that the parents that come to baby dedication, they don't just show up. We give them work. They have to do homework. They have to be intentional with their time. So you're in for a treat right now because we're going to focus up here, and we're just going to take a look and see um, all the 10 babies and their families that were dedicated here a few weeks ago.
And my hope is and my prayer is that when those parents blink and they find themselves at their child's senior graduation celebration, that they will feel confident in what God will do in the lives of their children because they kept God as the focus, because they fought for the hearts of their children, and because they were intentional with their time. And here's the other side of that coin. You can do all of these things, parents, prayerfully and faithfully. And sometimes our kids end up making different choices than we prayed for. Sometimes they don't end up walking with Jesus like we hoped that they would. Many parents have asked me about the verse that said in Proverbs, it's 22.6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he gets old, he won't depart from it. And it's important to distinguish that this is a proverb, not a promise from God. Proverbs are verses that are full of wisdom and, and great advice, but they are not the promises of God. So if you have adult children who are not walking with God, I would say that God is still with you. Keep your focus on God. Continue to fight for the hearts of your children. And not only is God with you, but he's pursuing your children. And he loves them with a perfect love in a greater way than we can even begin to understand. All right, parents, are you feeling overwhelmed? No, don't raise your hand. No, no, we don't want that. <laughs> really, I think the intent of Moses was not to overwhelm parents, but to, to inspire parents and to empower parents. Remember, it's not about perfection. It's about trusting a perfect God. And if you're here today and you don't know where to start when it comes to at-home discipleship, we want to help you. We want to partner with you. If you have kids that come um, to Browncroft Kids on Sunday mornings, we have available to you a monthly parent queue that lets you know every single um, thing that your kid is learning in Browncroft Kids on a Sunday morning. And we would love it, parents, if you would take these home and you would continue the learning and the conversation all week long that we started here on Sunday. Kindergarten through fifth graders, we take it a step further. They get a God time card to take home. And those are just like little mini devotionals that we would love, parents, if you're looking for a way to start this, go ahead and do these with your kids. If you have a student that attends on Wednesday nights, then you get regular emails from Aaron McGinnis, our student director. He's wanting to make sure that you know what your kids are learning on a Wednesday night. And he sends along parent resources that can hopefully be helpful to you in whatever they're learning about in that time. 
Also, parents, we want to let you know that we are working on a physical space here at Browncroft. We're creating a parent resource center, and that's going to be located at the corner of B and C Hall. And we're going to have Bibles available, um, books, devotionals, uh, parent um, guides, and other resources that can hopefully be helpful to you as you disciple your kids. And the last thing I want to say, parents, is that we as a church, we want to hear from you. We want to know where we can be of the most help to you. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to send you out a short survey that hopefully will help us to determine where you're at and how we can best come alongside you. Nope, I lied. One more thing. Last week, we kicked off our Summer Serve initiative, and we invited you, the congregation, to help us out this summer to sign up for a Sunday morning back in our Browncroft kids. Remember, discipling the next generation is an all-church effort. So the really good news is that you guys filled almost 200 spots last week. It's amazing. You guys rock. But that's only one-third of the way full. <laughs> so let's rock it out some more. And you can go ahead and scan the seat back in front of you, and you can just let us know which Sunday this summer that you want to come and that you want to be a light, the light of the world through Jesus to the kids that we disciple here at Browncroft. Let's pray. Father God, God, we thank you so much for our children. We thank you that you have trusted us to raise them, God. And I pray that today we would walk out of here inspired and empowered to point our kids to you, God to keep you as the focus of our hearts and of our homes, to fight for their hearts, to, to want to have good relationships with our kids, relationships where they can trust us, relationships where we can show them what your love looks like. And God, I pray that we will look for the everyday moments to talk about you and to point our kids to you, God. I pray specifically for the families that were at baby dedication a couple of weeks ago, God. Would you just um, be with them at this phase of life? We're so grateful, God, that they are seeking um, your presence as they raise their kids right from the very beginning. And God, we ask you to be with those parents who are graduating seniors this year. God, this is such a, a new and different phase that, that kids are walking into, but so are parents, God. And, and I pray that you would um, be with just whole families as they navigate what that looks like. Remind parents that you go with their children even when they can't. God, we love you and we trust you with our kids, with our most precious cargo. And we look forward to what the next generation 
has to offer when it comes to being the light of the world through you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, friends. You guys can um, get out of here. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you next time. Go in peace. Thank you.